he was very rich. And he wanted to be buried with his money. And he called his priest, his doctor, and his lawyer to his bedside. He said, here's $30,000 cash to be held by each of you. I trust you to put this in my coffin when I die so I can take all of my money with me. At the funeral, each man put an envelope in the coffin. Riding away in a limousine, the priest suddenly broke into tears and confessed, I only put 20000 into the envelope because I needed 10000 to repair the roof of the church. Well, since we're confiding in each other, said the doctor, I only put 10000 in the envelope because we needed a new x-ray machine for the pediatrics ward at the hospital, which cost 20000 And the lawyer was shocked. And he said, I'm ashamed of both of you. I want it known that when I put my envelope in that coffin, I enclosed a check for the full $30,000. It is true. You can't take it with you, folks. The book of 1 John is one of the five books in the New Testament that was written by John the Apostle. He was the brother of James. Together they were known as the Sons of Thunder. This letter was written between A.D. 85 and A.D. 100. Now, 1 John was written to a church or a group of churches. They were in crisis. They had a bunch of false teachers that were going around, and they were teaching what we would call heresy. And they had left the church, the true church, and they went so far as to start organizing itinerant preachers. And they were spreading this false doctrine and false teaching to the churches of Jesus Christ. So in response to this, John wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And here we are today, picking up in 1st John chapter 3, verse 1. And I'll be reading out of the New King James Version of the Bible, and it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself, just as He is pure. And whoever commits sins also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin, because he has been born of God. Let's pray. Lord, it has been a wonderful day. Lord, I turn uh, all of me over to you. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would use me to speak your word in truth and forthrightness. And Holy Spirit, I ask that for all of us, myself included, that we would leave this place different. That we would become the people that you want us to be. And God, as we pray about who you want us to be, I ask that you would also include this local church body. Lord, that you would send the people in from the north, the south, the east, and the west, that you are calling 
to serve and to reap a harvest of salvations. Thank you, Lord, for baptisms. Thank you, Lord, that that is in response to the miracle that you have brought in us, regeneration. God, we give you all the honor and the glory because it's yours. In Jesus' mighty name, the strong Son of God, and the church said, Amen. Today's life principle today. Believers walk in God's holiness. They will not remain in sin, and they need to be careful of deceivers. Believers walk in God's provided holiness. We're going to break this scripture down. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. We're going to stop right there and examine that for a moment. There is something that makes absolutely no sense to the world. Did you know that? There's something that makes absolutely no sense to the world. The things of God make no sense to the world. And that is the miracle of a regenerate person before God who is now just not a new creation, but is being called a child of the Most High God. Now, to be called a child at this time of someone means that you walk with the authority and the responsibility of the father or of the family from which you come. And so to be called a child of God is a huge responsibility, and it has some authority with it as well. What kind of authority, you ask? Well, here are two examples, just two. First, and these are in no particular order, but first, over demons. Yes, demons are real. Sorry to break that to you. Acts 16, 16 through 18 says this, Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. Now this girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Now here's an example of someone who were not just saved by grace, but who had authority. How did he know this was a demonic spirit? Well, quite easily, because she was a sorceress. She would tell the future. And we see those kind of activities going on all the time. The only difference is these were done by demonic spirits. And so she annoyed them. Now, Paul, I see as a person, the more I read about him, he reminds me of, um, let's see, somebody locally. He reminds me a lot of A.W., Not that I know him all too well, but I know him. He don't take no nonsense off of nobody. Am I right? Yeah, there we go. Well, Paul is that kind of guy. He won't take no nonsense off of no demon. So he casts him out. 
Now let's look at an example of not having authority. Somebody who tries to do the same thing. They're not Jesus's. They're not God the Father's. They're not in the family. And they try to use that authority that God has given to the believer. Acts 19, verse 11. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. And then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. And also there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit leapt on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Folks, when one person can beat up seven other people, there's something usually supernatural going on there. Because it ain't a movie. We see that all the time in movies. But in reality, that's not the way it is. And And now the second most important authority that's given to the believer is that is the authority to share the gospel and see a new life born into God's family. You have authority as believers to share the good news that there is victory over sin, death, hell, and the grave. And you can have it. The Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 1 through 21, will be on the screen, and it says this. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can... Do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, first of all, he's a teacher of the Jews, but he came by night because he didn't want to be seen with Jesus because it was too controversial. But he says, I know that you're of God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot even see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, 
but have everlasting life. That is the crux of what we believe as Christians. How dare we not share that news? If we are truly saved, then we're going to want to tell people about that news. Verse 17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. He's going to tell us what the condemnation is. That the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. We talk a lot about sharing the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ, that He is the only begotten of the Father, that He came born of a virgin, that He did signs, wonders, and and miracles for three years, and He died at 33 years old on a Roman cross for no reason other than your sin and my sin, and that He rose again from the grave on the third day, and He sits at the right hand of the Father today. That is the gospel. Let me tell you something else. As believers, if we do not share, which is a command, we are in sin. Did you ever realize that? Because he said, go therefore and make. It is commanded we share the gospel. And not in a weird, strange way with a a cape on our backs going around going, do you know Jesus? Just ask the Lord for an opportunity. To share. And if you find a a situation where the cape works, do that too. Going back to our main text in 1 John, he writes, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Here is the responsibility. Now, we have many responsibilities as Christians, but they flow out of a heart that is loving toward God. And guess what? They all flow from this one concept. Purify yourselves. Be holy, for He is holy. Leviticus 11.44 says this. Yes, I went Old Testament. Y'all get that joke on the way home. For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, First Peter says this, one thirteen through 20, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, of your mind. 
Remember, we are refreshed and renewed by the washing of the water of the Word. If you're not in the Word of God, you're not girding your mind up. Be sober, he says. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance... But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Folks, in the Jewish mindset, in the Jewish way of practicing, every year the priest would make a sacrifice of a perfect lamb. And so he's making that correlation here, that the blood of Jesus is like that lamb without blemish and without spot, and a sacrifice once for all. Not something that merely makes God look away from it, but something that cleanses sin. And he said, you were not redeemed with corruptible things. How many people have everything, and they end up realizing that they are poor and pathetic at the end of their lives? How many actors have you heard who have everything, but they end up committing suicide? Because there's something missing. Back to our text. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. You know, seeing as how we're talking about holiness and how our behavior should be, let me tell you a little story about little Johnny. Now, little John had been misbehaving again, and his mom got angry and sent him to his room. And after a while, he emerged and, and informed his mother that, that he had thought about what he did and then prayed to God about it. That was his words. I thought about it, Mom, and I prayed to God about it. Well, fine, said Mom, who was both pleased and very proud of her son. If you ask God to help you not misbehave, I'm sure he will help you. Oh, I didn't ask him to help me not misbehave, Mom. I asked him to help you put up with me. all about the heart second point believers will not stay in sin indefinitely believers will not live in sin day to day first john chapter 3 verse 4 through 6 we're going to examine that it says whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness and sin is lawlessness and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him there is no sin Whoever abides in him does not sin, and whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. What? That's an interesting word there, lawlessness, isn't it? Well, it's very interesting. It, it reflects what will happen to the unrepentant and the unbeliever. And how do I know that? Well, I went back to the original language. And it means this, to live as though there were no laws, to refuse completely to obey the laws. Or to live as one who despises all laws. 
If you don't think there are people in this world who despise the church, despise the Bible, despise the creator of the universe, who hate God, then you're deceiving yourself. They are there. You know, I, there are times I get to interact with people who call themselves atheists, and my first question to them is, I go, oh, you're an atheist. Uh, and I, I try to do it lovingly. And I ask them, so does that mean you have all knowledge? Well, no. No one does. Well, how do you know that if you don't have all knowledge? Because if you had all knowledge, that would make you God. You're not God. No, I'm not God. So at best, you're an agnostic. You don't know which, which is which. You don't know that there is or isn't a God. Then they get mad. Nine times out of ten. And the conversation starts to devolve at that. Now I try to steer it another way. But maybe, just maybe, they'll rethink their decision to call themselves an atheist. Maybe, just maybe, they'll think, you know, I don't know everything. And maybe they'll go on from there. Now here, this isn't talking about the laws of society. John didn't write, they despise the laws of society. No, he wrote that he de- they despise that they commit lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. He's specifically tying sin and lawlessness together. So what is he talking about? Well, he's talking about the law of God. And what did John just say in 1 John 3, 3? He said, And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. No one can do this apart from the power of God and his free gift. You can't become a new creation on your own, nor can you become pure on your own. You need the Holy Spirit to work and cleanse you and make you into the image of the Son of God. Now this process, we have a big churchy word for that. It's called sanctification. And it means I'm not cleaned up, but God's doing it day by day. I am not as bad as I was yesterday because the Holy Spirit has continued to clean me. And I'm not going to be as bad tomorrow as I am today because the Holy Spirit will continue to clean me. He will continue to get that mud of sin off my life. Now, when I was a kid, most of y'all know I grew up in Paisley. If you don't know where Paisley is, think of the Ocala National Forest and then go deeper. It's somewhere down there. All right? So when I was a kid, we had nothing but dirt roads. They had just put down fresh clay, and it rained. Now, as a four-year-old who likes the mud, oh, man, did I waller in mud. I remember this because it was that traumatic. There's a lot of things I forget. But this I will always remember to the day I die. My mom was so freaked out, she turned a garden hose on me. And I stayed that way for almost 10 minutes, she told me later. And the mud that day came into a pile. That is sin. When God has regenerated you, God has made you new on the inside in a new part of your being. Then he's going to turn the water hose on you and get that sin off. 
And that may take you, the re- it will take you the rest of your life. He says, you cannot be pure on your own. You need the Holy Spirit to turn that holy water hose on you. And that's called sanctification. And sanctification only happens by the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot work that up. You cannot pray that up. You cannot sing that up. You cannot remember the whole Bible that up. I know that's weird. Okay. Only Holy Spirit can do that for you. Isaiah 64, 6 says this, But we are all like unclean things, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. You know, when I think of a filthy rag, I personally think of like a car mechanic rag, you know, grease. But I, I went and did a little study on this, and boy, was I shocked. When the translators translated filthy there, they were very nice. The word filthy here literally comes from the Hebrew word, I'm going to be as tactful as I can, meaning the bodily fluids from a menstrual cycle. Old disregarded hygiene products. That's how God sees you in His eyes apart from His saving work. That's how God sees you in His eyes apart from Him. Jesus came into the world to deal with sin. That was His purpose. Those things that fall short of God's holiness. Guess what? We are those things that fall short of God's holiness. We have a hole in our lives, folks, in our innermost being, and then we try to fill it up with as much as we can. Food, TV, movies, people, whatever. We have a hole in our lives. And that hole can only be filled by Jesus. And that is why He came into the world. We just discussed John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. We just discussed that. Well, how does one come to Him? How do I get Jesus if He's what I need? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Ephesians 2, 8 and 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves even, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We may sin and fall, but that is not our natural state. Remember the mud analogy. The regenerate man, the one who has been made new in Christ, can never be taken away from Christ. Paul said, I'm convinced neither death nor life nor angels nor nor demons, nobody can remove you from the hand of Christ. Does that mean I'm perfect? Well, I'd like to think I'm perfect, but I'm not. That's a sobering reality. It does mean that when you sin, you ask forgiveness from God and from everyone involved. And then you move on in God's cleansing power and His victory over sin. So what do we do about this sin problem if we still got some mud on us? Well, Proverbs 24, 16 says, For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. 
You fall down, get up. You fall down, get up again. Now, I don't know if any of you uh, in here know anything about D.L. Moody, one of the best old-timey preachers in, around the turn of the 20th century. But he was explaining this truth to his audience, that we cannot bring about spiritual changes in our lives by our own strength. And now, he demonstrated the principle like this, and I'm going to quote it. Tell me, he said to his audience, how can I get the air out of the tumbler I have in my hand? One man said, suck it out with a pump. But Moody replied, that would create a vacuum and shatter it. And finally, after many suggestions, he picked up a pitcher and he quietly filled the glass with water. There, he said, all the air is now removed. He then explained that victory for the child of God does not come by working hard to eliminate the sinful habits, but rather by allowing Christ to take full possession of who you are. That's powerful when you think about it. And lastly, believers need to watch for deceivers. Again, John's writing about these false teachers, these deceivers. 1 John 3, 7 reads, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. Sounds pretty easy at that point, doesn't it? He who is a metalsmith, he makes things out of metal, so he's a metalsmith. That's basically what John just said. He who practices righteousness is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. John says... To not let anyone deceive you. This means there are people in the church speaking universally, not just, you know, this body of believers, but all those who are saved and born again. There are people in the church who will have this air, this guise of righteousness, but inwardly they are unregenerate, unrepentant sinners. These people like to pretend they're of God, but they aren't. And how do I know this? Because Jesus said it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do, do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Hmm. So what does this mean? Well, this means there are false teachers or people who call themselves prophets who aren't, and they are amongst the people of God. Now, when you look into their lives, there's, there's no fruit there that shows the works of righteousness. There's no love. There's no joy. There's no peace. There's no long-suffering. Remember, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22 is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. 
In other words, are you sure that you are saved? Does this fruit work in your life? Can you see where God has changed you over the course of time? The closer you've become to Him after salvation. You know that there's even people in the church who deceive themselves. They think they're Jesus. They think that Jesus knows them, but they don't. He doesn't. They aren't His. They're not a part of the kingdom. Well, how do I know this? Matthew chapter 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Pause. Who can do the will of the Father without Jesus if our righteousness is his filthy rags? No one. That's who. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. There's that word again, lawlessness. And we know that lawlessness is sin. Back to our main text. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. What's the devil's main work then? He brought temptation to the children of God, remember, in the garden, so that they would be sinning against God. They would be in rebellion against God. That's what sin means, to be in rebellion. You know that little white lie that you may have said? You know that little omission that you may have said? Well, I got some news for you. That'll send you to hell too. But because any sin will send you to hell. You know what else will send you to hell? Murder. Pastor, you telling me if I tell a sin, it's on the same level as murder? When it comes to eternal salvation, you're darn right it is. You can't do enough good works to work your way into heaven, period. It's not going to happen. Every sin, in actuality, is a rebellious act against God. But you see, when Jesus came, He reversed sin. He took it on Himself and He displayed God's justice. Because God's justice had to be fulfilled. He displayed God's mercy. And He displayed God's righteousness. And in so doing, he destroyed the kingdom of the devil and then handed that authority over to his church, his children, you and I. 1 Corinthians 15.54 says, So when this corruptible has put on incorruptible and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Folks, in Christ, we have the victory over sin, death, hell, and the grave. We have received that down payment beginning with the regeneration of our spirit and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. He is the down payment. 
Ephesians 1.13 says, In Him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. So when this is complete, we will no longer have to worry about our struggle with sin. You know why? Because the mud of sin will be washed completely away and the last vestiges of sin will be removed and we will be given new glorified bodies and then we will come to a complete understanding of that 1 Corinthians 15.54 passage. Not only that, but he gave us a command over the last vestiges of the enemy of our souls, the devil and his minions. Ephesians 6.10 says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, stand. John 14, 12, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. We've lost sight of that. The greatest work that anybody can receive is salvation. So why do we not tell people about Jesus more? Why does it take almost 10, 15 years before some of the people that we worked with or work with currently know that we know Jesus? They should know. Why does it take 5 or 10 years for that cashier that you've been talking to every day at the same corner store on your way to work or on your way home from work not know that you love Jesus? Back to our main text. 1 John 3, 9 says, Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for he, his seed remains in him, and he cannot, be, cannot because he has been born of God. <clears throat> this doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Now, remember, John's using a spiritual truth here. Think of the new man. The new man is saved and regenerate as the true essence of who you are, but you're still covered in that mud. You still got the mud on you. That mud represents the sin from your old life, and it's still on you. That sin that you commit or omit, it's not who you really are. You are the born-again believer. You are righteous because Jesus' righteousness has been imputed to you. This is where the analogy begins to break down, though. Because you still committed that lie. You still lost your temper. You still need to repent. However, that does not change the core of who you belong to, of whose you are, if you're His. Now, you're going to always struggle with sin, but to stay in sin indefinitely will not happen to the believer because it's way too uncomfortable for the believer. The believer will always want to please God because the believer loves God beyond all things because your conscience is no longer seared and dead to God, but alive and His laws are written on your heart. Hebrews 10, 12 says, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, for that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. 
but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, said the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and their minds I will write them. And then he adds their sin and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Praise God, he's made us new. Praise God, he had mercy on me and you. Praise God that you and I have been saved from death. Praise God that we no longer have to be slaves of sin. Praise God that you and I are being saved, a continuing process of sanctification. Praise God you and I will be saved when He comes again and gives us a new glorified body where we will no longer have to deal with sin and death. That is our hope in Christ. Share that hope with others. If you remember nothing, remember this. Believers walk in God's holiness. They don't remain in sin. And they need to be careful of those who are dealers of deception, who are deceivers, who are liars. Watch out for them. And everything that we've said today as the, people, as the uh, ladies come to sing. Now is the time we get to do some business with God. See, you didn't come here to hear me speak. You came here to hear God speak. And there was a lot of... A lot of God speaking this morning. A lot of scripture. But now's the time when the Holy Spirit, the effectual fervence of the Holy Spirit, speaks to our hearts. Do you know that you know that you know that if you were to leave this building, I say this every week, that you would end up in heaven? Or would you open your eyes in eternity and find yourself in a torment Beyond all belief. Today's the day you can know for sure. The Bible says, behold, today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. If you got hit by a bus walking out these doors, God forbid, but if it could happen, it could. Would you wake up in heaven? That's the first question I got for you. Secondly, have you been sharing the good news? Have you been sharing the good news? If you're a Christian, you know you'd wake up in heaven. Have you been sharing the good news? Are you a living testimony to those around you? They see your works. They see your difference. They, they sense the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And you talk about Jesus. Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the evening, Jesus when the sun goes down. Anybody remember that old song? It's all about Jesus. And lastly, do you need prayer up here? I'll be glad to pray for you, whether it be healing whether it be for family members, whatever. Whether the, if you want to come to this church by letter, by statement, by baptism, you can join the church today. Now, there's some things you'll have to go through, but make your statement. Whatever you need, we're here for you. Miss Joe.